0: Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Seth Kaplan is made possible with the support of Hotel Connections, the global leader in crew logistics and accommodations. Hotelconnections.com. Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com airlines. Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. Seaburycapital.com. And the Boyd International Aviation Forecast Summit, This October in Cincinnati. Visit airlinesconfidential.com to attend at a reduced rate. We also welcome your business's support. Info at airlinesconfidential.com.
1: Hey, Maria Bartiromo, if you're listening, he makes it all up as he goes along. And not just on the show. He's Ben Baldanza, former CEO of Spirit Airlines, who now teaches about how airlines work. I'll explain in a few minutes why I said that. (laughs)
2: Well, when leaving Florida, he thought he was leaving hurricanes behind. But now he has to teach people how to say Isaias, or, or whatever it is. So teach me Isaias. <laughs> yeah, it's NPR's hearing now, transportation. Uh, that's that's pretty good, Ben. <laughs>
1: a lot better than a, than a lot of what I've heard on TV over the past week. Well, pushing back from the gate, this is Airlines Confidential, the show where we share the secrets of the airline industry and debate all the crazy things that happen in the airline world each week. Today, we're going to talk about whether... You have to turn off and stow your record player for takeoff. Well, not really, but (laughs) it's kind of like that. Yeah, we'll explain.
2: (laughs) And in fine or wine, we'll ask one guy. No, how do you really feel about United Airlines? First, though, let's prepare for takeoff
1: with this week's news. Then the stakes could not be higher for American workers everywhere, and certainly for airline workers, as leaders continue trying to work out the details of the next trillion dollar or perhaps multi-trillion dollar rounds of aid to help the country through the COVID crisis. On one hand, tens of millions of Americans just lost, for now at least, the extra $600 per week in unemployment benefits they've been getting for the past several months. And airline workers, well, the question is whether they'll be depending on the $600 or whatever kind of extension there is or whether their jobs might end up being safe after all. Ben, we've seen airline after airline warning workers of big furloughs uh, airlines like united and american it could be in the tens of thousands of workers southwest is a little more hopeful uh, delta has said that it, it got pretty good response to its early out offers so it hopes to be able to at least minimize furloughs you know which means maybe some people will be out but then you know, recalled before too long if, if demand recovers but uh, you know the the question here ben is How likely, first of all, and I don't know if you can handicap this, but how likely it is that airlines are going to get a big new tranche of aid. I mean, we'd be talking, you know, another $25, $30 billion to, for example, keep workers employed, not only through the end of September, as they are right now, but, you know, maybe through the end of March. That was in the version, if I'm not mistaken, of, of aid that the House of Representatives passed, the House controlled by Democrats. They wanted $3 trillion in aid. Uh, Republicans are still sort of trying to figure out what exactly they themselves want. And then they have to negotiate something with the Democrats.
2: Well, that's right, Seth. And in the meantime, workers just wonder, right, because all these announcements have happened, like we said last week on the show, you know, because of the Warren Act that requires um, companies to announce if they're going to lay off or furlough a lot of people. So we're close enough to the CARES Act money ending that airlines are having to quantify how many people are we going to really not need. And the reality is right now, there are plenty of people who work in the airline industry who are being paid, and they're not really needed to support this relatively small level of flying that's being done in the U.S. right now. So the question is, after September, what what's the right policy? My belief is that the economy can't fully recover without airlines and transportation in general. Airlines, trains, cars, all of the transportation networks support the underlying economy. People and goods need to move. And so without a robust airline industry, we can't say we have a full economy again. Because of that, I think keeping airline employees on the payroll, current in their jobs, keeping them trained, ready to fly as soon as demand is ready to pick up again is good public policy. So if we are going to spend as a country trillions of dollars or more to support businesses during this really difficult time, I think it supports the economy to support the airline business with a re-up of that money. Now, that doesn't mean I believe it's going to happen or know it's going to happen, but I certainly hope it happens. And I actually hope it happens soon, Seth, mostly because for all these people who aren't sure what's going to happen to them on October 1st, whether they're going to be furloughed, laid off, maybe they haven't wanted to accept a voluntary, maybe they need that money, they're not sure what's going to happen with the unemployment insurance, just to put some certainty to their lives for at least a few more months would be really important, I think.
1: I know even in my own personal life, Ben, so I'm not even talking about just sort of you know, people I know because of what I do for a living, but just in my own personal life. I have a neighbor who who works on the ramp over at National Airport, loading bags, who is being furloughed by American. I have a cousin who's a first officer for Republic, same story. Just people, friends and family who who are in this situation. So obviously on a personal level, uh, you root very much for that extension to happen. Let me give you though a, a devil's advocate perspective, just philosophically, just high level as a human being, as, as as a taxpayer, as an American. The other argument goes like this: Look, this thing is so broad, COVID, right, that everybody's impacted, and everybody could construct an argument for why they're special, right? You know, restaurants that were ordered closed and still in, in most cases face all kinds of restrictions and so on and so forth. And so there are people out there who say, well, you know, what about that? I mean, why not just let airlines shrink and deal with the consequences of unemployment through the systems that are there to help everybody else or, You know, right now, a lot of people saying not helping enough because of of what just happened with the aid expiring. So what do you say to somebody who says that, who says, well, what about everybody else who in their mind is equally uh, needy? Well, just like these airline workers, I
2: think that's a fair argument, and I think there are also those who believe that airlines disproportionately contribute to climate change in a negative way. And they have, you know, the whole idea of flight shaming was starting long before COVID. Of maybe you shouldn't fly so much, and so that group may like the idea of airlines getting smaller and fewer people deciding to fly as their choice of how to get places. I guess my argument against that, though, Seth, would be. In economic terms, airlines are what economists call an intermediate good. An intermediate good is something you don't buy necessarily for what it is, but to make something else happen. In other words, it's sort of a necessary evil cost in your life in a way. And that's the way airlines are like – other than maybe you and me and some of our listeners, we don't really fly just to be on the airplane, right? We're
1: going someplace. Right? <laughs> as, as you were, before you said that, that's what I was thinking to myself. I was thinking for most people, you're right, but we have people listening to this who getting there is not just half the fun. It's all the fun. People get <laughs> yeah. up planes just to come back.
2: No, that's right. But most people are going to visit people, going to transact business, going to make something happen, going to have an experience, whatever. And so, I mean, we found that at Spirit, for example, where people would pay a dirt cheap fare and then stay in the Ritz-Carlton when they got to Fort Lauderdale or, right, right yeah. because when they're in the hotel, they're on the vacation. When they're getting there, they're not on vacation yet.
1: Allegiant says that all the time, that that, that that's their model is get the people to wherever they're going really inexpensively. And then that's where they uh, want to spend their money if they don't care about fancy travel, which by the way, I, I think I'm well, maybe not in the minority in this respect, but I always think to myself, you know what? My trip starts and ends with a flight, right? That's that's the, how I begin the experience and how I end the experience. I want, particularly the last thing I do, to be pleasant. But I get that that's not everybody in the world, That that, that a lot of... People are just, yeah, that's the transportation and the vacation is the destination.
2: No, that's right. And that, But that concept of an intermediate good means it's fundamentally sort of the the platform and part of the structure of the economic life that we live. And so like the power grid, you know, like uh, like other things that are important to make the economy work, transportation is part of that. So the reason I think airlines are justified in sort of asking for that kind of money. And and I'm not saying that some other small businesses aren't and restaurants aren't important and other small businesses aren't important. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that the world can live without a couple of restaurants for a while and it's not gonna necessarily change the whole economy. But if you can't get from here to there, it will change the economy. And so part of the infrastructure to make the economy come back and make the restaurant work is that people can move. And that idea I think is fundamental to economic structure in the United States. That's why I think those kind of infrastructure industries like the power grid, like broadband, and I put airlines in there, are really important to keep going and bring back to full speed as a way to bring the whole economy back. And then let's double the number of restaurants and double the number of small businesses where we can all get everywhere.
1: So you're arguing not a question of uh, fairness to the workers themselves, but of the the systemic importance of, of these businesses to the economy. Back to what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Ben, I, I said Maria Bartiromo, if she's listening. The reason I said that, you were on Fox Business this past week on Maria Bartiromo's show, and she introduced you as the co-host of this podcast so apparently that's now the most notable thing you've you've done, right? That's, that, that's <laughs> right. We we introduced you here as the former CEO of Spirit, but the rest of the world, you're the co-host of Airlines Confidential. And at the end of the show, she said, we'll be listening to the podcast. So so that's that's why I joked about that. All kinds of people tuning into Airlines Confidential. We appreciate that. Uh, ben, time next for a listener question. So good. It not only stumped me, it stumped an airline, too. But first, want to talk for a minute about the International Aviation Forecast Summit. Some people call it the Boyd Conference. We've been saying over and over, it's on. Well, guess what? It's on, but now it's going to be different dates. Uh, originally the end of August. Now October 11th through 13th. Uh, as we've been saying, you know, they're working with health authorities, everybody else, to make sure everything can be safe and that people just have – confidence that when they go there, everything's going to be okay. And so these dates apparently are, are better now, October 11th through 13th. Everything else we've told you is still the same. Uh, you'd still get a discount by going to our website, airlinesconfidential.com. Click through to there. Uh, you can still use the virtual option if you can't go or you work for an employer who doesn't want you to go. There's still the virtual option. There's the in-person option. Uh, Again, it's now 11th through 13th of October, still in Cincinnati as uh, previously planned. So we'll look forward to that. And we also
2: want to thank CLEAR for supporting the show. Travel with confidence with CLEAR. Touchless, fast, safer airport travel. CLEAR's touchless identity verification is available in 34 airports nationwide, moving you quickly and without crowds through airport security. Enroll today at www.ClearMe.com slash airlines. That's ClearMe.com slash airlines.
1: Now for that tricky question. Here's Robert from Chicago.
3: Hi, my name is Robert. I'm coming from Chicago. And the question is, uh, before this pandemic hit around January 2020, I flew American internally in the United States. I'm a little old-fashioned, so I carry my DVD player, uh, portable, and uh, I have my headphones, which are wired. Uh, Upon departure and before landing, I was instructed to uh, turn off the DVD player, even though it has no wireless capability whatsoever, and uh, it has no Internet connection or anything. Next to me, there was this gentleman sitting with a Bluetooth headphone and in an iPad which does have internet connectivity and he was allowed to continue watching and connecting to his device. I asked the attendance and she just shrugged her shoulders like, Well those are my instructions. So what is the criteria here? What are why certain machines yes, certain machines no? And also, I noticed that flying international in Europe, they have other criteria as to what can be turned on, what can be turned off, at what time can be it can be turned on, etc. So, you, if you care to comment about it, thank you.
1: Okay, Ben. Now, one thing I know, there's a lot that I don't know here. <laughs> we'll sort through this, but one thing I know is that it's actually not about interference and connectivity anymore. The question of the Bluetooth headphones, that there's a transmission there. That used to be the concern. But the FAA back in, I think, 2013 basically said, look, we're not worried about that anymore. They don't want cellular transmissions, right? That's why the phone has to be in airplane mode, but then you can turn the Wi-Fi back on. Uh, But in terms of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all of that, no concern anymore about that interfering With critical systems. So, that would not have been uh, what the flight attendants were thinking about in terms of why one device and not the other. So, then what is it? Well, what the FAA was looking at with those new guidelines that it put out, and again, this is back in 2013, is basically what's the size of the device? Right, if there's some kind of an accident and and uh, you know people need to quickly evacuate, they said a big laptop, for example, too big that could cause problems. A phone or a small tablet, that's okay. So, Ben, first let me ask you this: What do you think?
2: I'm not going to argue against a flight attendant who said this is the rule because flight attendants know the rules. And they're part of their job is to enforce those rules, and it's a it's an unenviable job in that sense, right? Because whenever they enforce a rule, somebody's going to get upset with them because they want to do what they're being told not to do,
1: right? But, um, but the question is, what is the rule about a, an old DVD player?
2: Yeah, I think an old DVD player it just confuses people because it's an old <laughs> exactly. DVD player, right? Right, <laughs> that's right. And so whether it looks like it's a big laptop or whether it looks like it's something that they just didn't know, and so if you don't no, turn it off right i know what the iphone looks like i know what a I know what a smartphone looks like i i know what's allowed in that stuff but i don't really i haven't seen one of these in a long time so it's probably not good i'm guessing that's what happened
1: <laughs> well well and, and and i didn't know the answer literally i had to google and this is how long ago this is how long it's been since i've, I've seen one of the and by the way I'm not criticizing Robert. I have a turntable in my house. Okay. I love old technology. I had really forgotten what these looked like. So I literally had to go like Google the image and, and, and I because I was thinking, well, isn't it kind of like a tablet? But no, not really. It's it's bigger because there's the screen, and then kind of in front of it, it's sort of a folding thing, a little bit like a small laptop, was where you would put the DVD. And that was sort of where. Yeah, you know, almost looks more like a keyboard, right? Yeah. So so I so I thought to myself, okay, is American Airlines we're dealing with here. Uh I contacted Ross Feinstein of American Airlines. he's a spokesman there who deals specifically with operational issues. And Ross always seems to have the answer, or at least knows where to get it really quickly. And so I thought, if anybody in the world knows, it's gonna be Ross. So I played Robert's question for Ross, and then guess what? what Ross didn't know either
0: <laughs> I mean
1: that's <laughs> that that, guy's I mean, so that, smart I mean that's, me. I mean, that's <laughs> long story short Ross didn't know either you, you know he he pointed me to the to that FAA guidance which basically it was that you know the FAA made clear the point here is to just be safe and it gave the airlines guidance and the airlines had uh, as you would probably remember, man, because you were at Spirit at the time running the airline, they had some latitude to come up with their own rules, right? So it wasn't that the FAA said tablet, yes, laptop, no, but, but the FAA made clear what I said before, that it was about just sort of not blocking exits and everything, and it gave examples of things that were clearly – right or clearly wrong a big laptop something that clearly had to be turned off and stowed again not because of wi-fi uh, but because it was just too bulky that if something suddenly happened they didn't want those flying around and so you know ross pointed out to me he said look uh, the dvd player is not mentioned as an exception in terms of a a device that should be able to remain on during landing and i said yeah i said but on the other hand it's not mentioned as an example of what can't Beyond, along with the laptops and all of that. And actually in the information that the FAA put out, they had taken surveys of the traveling public about what kinds of devices they carry. And even back then in 2013, which is now seven years ago, not very many people were carrying portable DVD players. And that was one of the selections. So I think that was exactly the point here, Ben, that just nobody was thinking about these things even seven years ago, let alone now. Now, Ross did point out to me That yes, people can have a tablet, but they can't have a keyboard connected to the tablet. And so if anything, this is probably more similar to that. And to the extent that the flight attendants were trying to use logic here, as opposed to just thinking, gosh, we just don't really know what to do with this because we never see it anymore. That might have been what they were thinking. Is that you know this this kind of looks like a tablet with a with a keyboard because it's this thing that opens and that's probably what they were trying to do. Clearly, they were just trying to be safe. Probably not something I think about. A lot.
2: I think that's all right. I think the, the caller could have kept his DVD player on through the landing, and it would have been just fine. But in the moment when they had to make that decision, they made the call, and that's the right call because they just didn't know. I suggest, Seth, next time you fly, bring an eight-track tape player on <laughs> and see if you can keep it on at landing and see what they do. You'll blow what their was,
1: minds. <laughs> that's what I was just going to ask you, man. What, what, what do I do with my – uh? Exactly. With my my 78 RPM photograph that I crank up and get there. You're going to have no idea what to do with that thing. Well, up next, what's with all these airplanes flying in weird patterns and showing up in weird places, or at least places that are weird these days? It's that plus a customer complaint. And and I mean, this guy really isn't happy when airline Confidential researches. Hotel Connections is a proud supporter of Airlines Confidential. Hotel Connections is the global leader in crew logistics and accommodations. Visit hotelconnections.com. Again, hotelconnections.com.
0: The Airlines Confidential podcast is now available on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. With Ben Baldanza, I'm Seth
1: Kaplan. This is Airlines Confidential. Uh, Time for a couple more listener questions. But first, Ben, you were starting to ask me something during the break. And I said, you know what? Hold that. Let's do that on the air. What was it that you were starting to say?
2: Well, I had asked if you had seen this video of a Qantas airplane that traced the outline of a kangaroo on its flight path, and I was just amazed. They covered such a wide swath of land. I was saying, I hope there aren't passengers on that airplane.
1: <laughs> Seriously, I I did see that, and to be clear, it wasn't like there was like a contrail where you could actually see it. That would have been an environmental disaster. It's if you if you go on Flight Radar twenty four or one of those uh, services, you could see what the plane did based on uh, you know transmissions from the airplane obviously but no uh, definitely not the most productive thing an airplane has done although hey lately probably not the least productive thing either right with all these air- empty airplanes flying <laughs> around well question from mk in cvg as uh MK writes, so that means you know this is somebody in the industry. CVG is the airport code for Cincinnati. MK writes, I just discovered your podcast in June and love it. Wish I'd found it sooner. After taking a COVID leave of absence, I'm just a uh, a newly retired gate agent from a major U.S. airline. Yeah, you know the one. Well, if it's Cincinnati and it's a major U.S. airline, likely. Delta, maybe? Delta, yeah. Uh, MK writes, I've worked a number of departments for my non-unionized airline. Yeah, non-unionized, that would be Delta. I mean, the pilots are unionized, but it's a mostly non-unionized airline compared to the others. And I delight in knowing that your explanations on the podcast are so spot on. I remember the glory days of CVG. I I worked as a tour guide in the mid-80s. Hard to believe we gave kids on school field trips tours of the airport. My favorite job I've ever had. Ben, I, I remember as a kid, in my case it was Miami International, I remember going during summer camp, taking a tour of the airport. I remember taking us aboard a Concorde that was uh, that was parked there. And that is – that's all I remember of that summer. I uh, like,
2: that explains a lot,
1: Sam. <laughs> it was like seven, right? We must have gone swimming. We must have done other stuff. But, all, but literally, I have this one memory. I remember like – I have this vague memory of like the place, you know, like where the camp was. And I remember going to – To the airport. Well, what Uh, seven-year-old
2: wouldn't love that? It's it's uh, unfortunate uh, we don't
1: do that. It's it's a shame that 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 we can't anymore. MK writes, I've watched CVG grow and shrink. Sad face. I was excited about the uh, Boyd conference in CVG. Wish I was still there at the airport to greet you. Always fun to see celebrities. MK writes who are the celebrities <laughs> talking about. dancing with I the stars next find, up. yeah hope you can find better celebrities than us okay here's my question i don't live near the airport i'm on the ohio side of the river why are there so many more airplanes flying over my house and so low i have the plane finder app on my phone uh, similar to how you would watch airplane Qantas planes making kangaroo patterns right ben and sometimes i can swear i can almost read the ship numbers i first noticed the difference when the airspace from the old blue ash airport opened up but it was mostly traffic from well it's the the old airport from back before cbg now it's cargo jets big ones seemingly flying lower by the day what's up love the show i already miss the business i miss airplanes
2: well, that's a great letter, isn't it, Seth? I
1: it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, MK.
2: Yeah, absolutely, MK. Well, you know, I don't know exactly why the cargo planes are flying so low over your house right now, but you can you can say for sure right now that a lot of cargo planes are flying. I mean, is probably you, Seth, and and probably MK2, we're just ordering more stuff from Amazon and other places, and stuff's getting delivered. So FedEx, UPS, DHL, these cargo carriers that fly a lot of airplanes, are flying all over the place, and they're delivering lots of things. My wife and son and I went to Virginia Beach last weekend, and we saw big cargo airplanes coming into Virginia Beach, right, to, to Norfolk Airport. It's like, why would the – But I mean 11? somebody
1: somebody has to get the 8-track player to I know, people but like you ordering it, right?
2: It was an MD-11 going to Norfolk Airport. I was amazing. Yeah. No, but – and so – I guess the good thing is there are flights happening and there is activity going on out there. So as an airline guy, MK, just enjoy it. That's a, that's all I can say. And, and root on the fact that there's pilots working, that there's people working in the industry, that this, uh, this is an economy that needs that stuff going. And if passengers aren't going to fly a lot right now,
1: at least cargo can. MK writes, hope you all will broadcast from Oshkosh next year. We'll see what we can do for you, MK. I guess uh, uh, probably retiring up there. Thanks again for the letter. Colin of Sharon, Massachusetts writes, I drive by Logan Airport, that's Boston, uh, twice each weekend, and there are usually one to five international airliners at the gates. Uh, BA, Air France, Lufthansa, Azores, JAL, and Aer Lingus. I thought U.S. citizens were banned from flying to the EU. Are these flights only carrying Europeans?
2: Well, that's an interesting question, too. And certainly long-haul international travel, transatlantic travel, uh, in, in what Colin's talking about, is down a lot. There are many fewer flights. But there are still flights, and there's a couple of things. Certainly there are some essential workers who, because of what they're doing, have the ability to go to a country even if the country might normally be closed to just tourist travelers. So that's some of the travel. All of the carriers that fly into Boston, though, as big as Boston is, very few of the flights you see that come into Boston live off of just one destination from Boston. Most of them are flying from their hubs. Lufthansa from a Frankfurt or Munich, for example. Aer Lingus from Dublin, I'm air of France, obviously from, from Paris, and they connect to places beyond that. So even if the country may be closed, it's possible that people are flying from Boston, connecting and going to
1: a place that isn't closed. So you're connected, right. So, so first of all, you've got a country like the UK, which if I'm not mistaken, is open, but you have to quarantine for two weeks. But yeah, you could be connecting through Paris to get to somewhere else that is indeed Open and then I guess you just. That's that's right, or or
2: or you may be going to visit family in the UK and say I'll quarantine for 14 days,
1: right? I mean, or you might hold two passports. Yeah, so so there are people who can do it, even though not very many between people between the people who aren't allowed and the people who uh, who just don't want to these days.
2: There's not nearly as many people flying across the oceans as there were before COVID, but there are enough to support certain flights, and I think it's great. You know, it's um from Dulles Airport, sort of near us here. Um, Emirates is now flying to Dulles again, not every day, but they're flying, right? And there's a lot of places you can't go once you get to Dubai, right? That you still can't go, but they're finding enough to travel, enough travelers to support that trip five days a week or so. They're adding more flights to the U.S., British Airways is, um, by combining you know, resources with companies like American in British Airways case or Delta with Air France's case. They can maybe generate enough traffic to fill an airplane, even though the number of planes flying today is a lot fewer than we're flying just six months ago.
1: You know, I just had this flashback to a trip in 2007. I'm just, I know it was then because I could sort of piece together other, other things that were going on at the time. I was flying Virgin Atlantic across from London Heathrow, to New York JFK it was supposed to be and there were bad storms uh, over New York and we diverted to Logan to Boston and when we landed there it looked like okay I mean I, I wasn't at Gander after 9-11 there's the, the famous book by Jim DeFede, uh the day the world came to town that's been made into the a, a musical, right? Come From Away. Have you seen that one yet? I haven't I, seen the musical. I haven't either. But... I want, I'm, I'm dying to see it. Anyway, this was the closest thing I had ever seen to that because there at Logan were all these long-haul airlines that don't usually go there because they, everything was diverting there because all the airlines, like, lot Polish, right? You know, which flies to New York and nowadays flies to Chicago. Well, not nowadays, nowadays, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know, a few places, but not to, not to Boston. And so there were just all these – intercontinental airliners that you would normally never see in Boston. And they were all there. And you can imagine what it took to get a gate and to get through (laughs) immigration and security and all the rest of it. And all I can tell you, Ben was that as soon as we landed, I got on the phone and, Got myself reaccommodated <laughs> to a connecting flight before everybody else streamed into the uh, terminal. I got got one of the uh, one of the last seats on a Continental flight. That dates the reference too. It was, I got out of there on Continental connecting. Um, Uh, Back down eventually to Florida. Well, do you have a question for us? You can call us at 305-379-7429 and record a question, just like Richard from Chicago did earlier, right? 305-379-7429. We'll play it on the air. Or you can email us questions at airlinesconfidential.com or jump on the airlinesconfidential.com website.
2: Like MK did. Yeah. (laughs) Fine or wine is next. But first, time to thank Seabury Capital for supporting the show. Seabury Capital Group, a specialty finance and investment banking firm, boasting a 25-year track record of advising key clients in aviation, aerospace, defense, maritime, and financial services and technologies. Their award-winning and widely respected team has superior industry knowledge, along with state-of-the-art analysis, technology, and solutions, as well as an unmatched depth of relationships with decision makers in industry, finance, and government. Explore their global reach and scale at seaburycapital.com. That's seaburycapital.com.
1: Beginning our initial dissent on today's show, it's time for a fine or whine. We listen to an actual customer complaint, and then we talk about whether the complaint is fine or if they're just whining. Ben, you have a complaint. Yes, I do.
2: Robert of California City, California is complaining about United. And I mean really complaining. Robert writes, United canceled our flight because of COVID-19 and won't give a refund. They sent an email that said it was a refund, But it was a voucher for a future flight, even though DOT regulations said they were were required to give us a full refund if we requested one, which we did. They will not accept our email and don't answer the phone. There should be a class action suit against them. I recommend that no one ever fly United.
1: Okay, so not only is Robert not going to fly United again, he says, but he is on a mission to make sure nobody in the world ever flies united again good luck with that uh especially for people traveling between like i don't know newark and houston or something right <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> any, anyway a couple things going on here first there's this distinction between refunds and travel credits a- and then there's the the question specific to united i mean robert by the way before we get to that california city i never heard of it had you ever heard of california no city? i had
2: but i looked I mean, it up I mean,
1: Right. But me too. Oh, you did too? Okay. I did too. Yeah. I was like, well, and everybody, and it makes sense. I mean, most States have a you know Oklahoma city or New York city, but just, so it starts out California city is kind of due North of the LA basin. It's in the place called Kern County. Uh, Bakersfield is to its West, kind of the closest city that I'd ever heard of, but anyway, California city, uh, it is in the LA media market. And that's a bit closer to um, Bakersfield, as I said. So, uh, learn something just just before we think about anything else. Just about where uh, where Robert is. So, yeah, refunds versus vouchers sounds like Robert knows the difference uh, here. We don't know all the details, but there one distinction Ben is that the airlines sort of distinguish themselves between tickets that were bought earlier. And then there was kind of this time in mid-April where they said, okay, going forward, it's going to change for new tickets, where if we cancel a flight and we change your travel plans by more than a certain number of hours, and for a lot of airlines, it became less generous, you can't get a full refund. Uh, so, so, So it could be that United was originally one of the Stingier airlines, you might say they, they were taking a lot of flack where if uh, they didn't change your plans by six hours or more, they wouldn't give you a refund. Uh, American kind of at the other end of the spectrum in that regard, if your plans changed by even 60 minutes. An hour, you could request a refund. Uh, Delta was 90 minutes. But kind of by mid-April for new tickets purchased then, uh, they all converged a little more and, and the policies aren't so different at this point. But, Ben, what do you think here, given all of that and given what Robert said? Fine or a whine based anyway on what we know?
2: Based on what we know, I actually think it's a little more of a whine. I understand why he would want a refund. I understand why the general concept of it was canceled for COVID, so therefore I should be protected. But I think you nailed it, Seth. United is not going to do something blatantly illegal, right? They're not going to not give someone a refund if the law requires them to give them the refund. In this case, they have the choice, probably because when he bought his original ticket, like you said, or maybe in the time frame, or maybe the change wasn't enough to justify a refund, because maybe they thought, well, you can still take this flight, right? It's just a little, an hour and a half later or something like that. So I think for all those reasons, I think it's probably a whine. I think Robert should look back at why they're saying a voucher versus cash. Now, everyone would rather have cash back if they're not going to fly. But United, like all airlines, is trying to keep as much cash as they can. And they're also saying, look, you bought a trip and we can deliver that trip at some point. So maybe you should just fly again later. I understand that's not what Robert wanted to hear. My guess is had he bought closer into the flight during that period when, like, that is true now where all airlines are being much more liberal on refunds, but he sort of got caught in a time when they weren't so liberal and United had the choice and they chose the voucher. Now, saying don't fly United because they will give you a voucher instead of cash, that would be a very legitimate complaint if he thinks that's bad policy and wants to warn people about that. But the fact that he wasn't offered cash in and of itself, I think that's why I think of it as a why. What do you think, Seth? Am I being too harsh on Robert?
1: Well, in Robert's defense, and you're right, the DOT never sort of spelled out this is how many hours the plans have to change in order for somebody to be entitled to a refund. They basically just told airlines that they had to do the right thing. And United, in Robert's defense, was the airline that was kind of accused of of, of coming closest to the line, right? And you could kind of see the government saying to them, hey, don't make us – you know, don't make us turn this car around. Right. Second week in a row, we've said that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a different context, right. but, uh, and, and then they, like I said, sort of all converged. And yeah, there was this period where if you bought airline tickets in like, let's say March and then, then, you know, your flight canceled. on a lot of other airlines you would have gotten a refund and on United, you wouldn't have, at least not if they made an exception again, that, that's all the, the policies are just a lot more similar now, but, Basically, yeah, uh, the the key detail that we're missing here is was United clearly violating its own policy. And in this case, Robert hasn't given us enough information to say that. And then I sort of do come back to that. I understand that these airlines are, are trying to balance, you know, remaining sustainable with with uh, doing the right thing. Absent that, absent them violating their own policy, it it could be unfair to everybody else to make an exception uh, for Robert. But again, I would just want to know more before passing judgment.
2: Now, you know, Seth, you know, with the Boyd conference being changed, I canceled the trip that I had booked to Cincinnati for August and American immediately offered me a voucher. And I just accepted it because I know I'm going to go back to Cincinnati at some point, like hopefully in October. But I wonder if I had said that's not good enough, whether American would have given me for a refund because I bought that well into COVID period. I'm not sure if they- Yeah, probably not
1: because you're changing the plan. The refunds are, are typically when they cancel on you and then if they also don't give you a good option. You know, that then, and then, then that's sort of where reasonable people can disagree about how good of an option is a good option. I am at this point still holding reservations for a flight in October that I am definitely not going to take. Uh, it, it was a cruise from Quebec City down to Boston. Cruises canceled uh, because all cruises in Canada are, yeah, through October at least, they're, they're just canceled periods. So the cruise is canceled, but the airline tickets are you know, if I cancel now, I'll get a voucher, right? Because as far as I know, the flights still haven't been canceled. I'll check again sometime soon. Uh, but if they cancel on me, then I should be entitled to a refund if there's not a close option. And in that case, especially with the, with the Quebec City flight, there probably wouldn't be because they, that's so rare anyway. That's United up to Quebec City and then Spirit uh, from Boston back to... Down, so I just kind of have it on my calendar, to not forget about it, but to keep an eye because I'd rather if they cancel on me and I can get my money back. But if they don't, then I understand that. You know, then it's me changing my plans, and I appreciate that I have at least the flexibility to uh, to get the travel credit rather than lose my money, as would often be the case in normal times. Of course, in normal times, the cruise wouldn't be canceled. Different. What
2: some European airlines have done is they offer you more in credit than you paid. And in some ways, maybe that helps salve it a little bit better. I don't know that that- Oh, to incentivize taking- Yeah, actually- To incentivize
1: taking the credit. Actually, there was a a time when American was doing that early on. They were saying, we'll give you 120% of the value in credit or a full refund if it was one of those flights kind of outside the one hour, outside the 60-minute limit. And I thought that that was a, a very reasonable way to do it also. Well, on final approach, now that does it for Airlines Confidential this week. Please- Fasten your seatbelts and ensure your seatbacks and tray tables are in their upright and locked positions. And remember, we'd love to hear your questions at 305-379-7429 or email us questions at airlinesconfidential.com or you can jump on the airlinesconfidential.com website. From the Airlines Confidential Studios, I'm Seth Kaplan. Stay
2: safe from COVID and hurricanes. I'm Ben Baldanza. Talk to you soon.
0: (laughs) This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.